Welcome. Welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work of the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join us, First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as we discuss topics that are focused on children ages zero to five and of course their families. Our goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Heidi, we're back again talking about stress busters. Very excited to talk about nature because uh, it's near and dear to my heart as I know it is for you. It is. I know. We've been anxiously awaiting our time to uh, to dive into nature and if you have tuned in and heard us talk about nutrition or physical activity or mindfulness, you have absolutely heard us weave in nature because I think it is one that rises to the top for both you and I. I think so too. And I think, you know, obviously it correlates a lot with exercise and mindfulness and, uh, but there's a lot of research around how it improves well-being overall for adults and children to have nature as a part of your life. It's, there's research on child development and how it's stimulating to the brain and those who lack the ability to access nature have a different developmental path. Uh, so, you know, you can only imagine what that really means then when we're talking about having adverse childhood experiences and not being able to access some you know, form of nature. And then, you know, there's research out there that talks about how, you know, overall people just feel like if they can spend some time outside, they are in a better mood. So, you know, I think it's just important to begin to recognize how, you know, how much nature has an effect on our well-being. Right, right. And so, you know, when you think about adverse childhood experiences and relate it to this idea that there is an ongoing increase of stress level, right? What we know then is that there's also an ongoing increase of specific hormones, um, specifically cortisol among others. And so I think that's one of the easiest lines to draw that being outside for even 20 minutes, we can physically see a reduction in cortisol levels, even if that outside time happens to be with cars driving by right? It doesn't need to be in this amazing peaceful metal, <laughs> but just right. that outside time with your body, um, they can really demonstrate a decrease in cortisol levels. And what that means in a feeling to us is that we might feel more at peace or we don't feel as high alert or even like on a high rev. But then over time, what we know is it actually affects how our bodies internally are working and may even reduce the um, chances that we experience a, um, you know, kind of a lifetime disorder or disease based on our high levels of toxic stress. So it's such a empowering thing to know, like just get outside for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day can actually shift things for your body. Yeah, I think, you know, environment plays a huge role in our moods and in our ability to reduce or actually can increase your levels of cortisol, right? Like you just talked about. And so, you know, recently there was a study that, um, or there's been lots of studies, but um, one that was recently that I read um, from the University of Minnesota talks a lot about how we just having some exposure to the, you know, nature um, is in so important and vital to our well-being and in healing. So no, knowing that nature heals, you know, it reduces stress and increases, increases your pleasant feelings basically. So, right. It doesn't, 
you know, take away that you had them, but it, it starts to help you have more pleasant feelings, which then overrides that stress, fear, anger kind of thing. And, and then begins to reduce your blood pressure, your heart rate, that tension that you're feeling that keeps all of that cortisol level kind of increased. Right. And all those hormones begin to shift the, you know, to make you feel better. And so you know, they've done some work around like what it means to even be in the hospital and healing in the hospital and what, you know, patients heal more quickly when they have, you know, plants and other kinds of natural things in their room, as opposed to a stark, sterile environment that is not, you know, one of any kind of pleasant appeal, right? And I think we know that. We know that from other research, right? We know that skin-to-skin contact is also important. We know, you know, environment plays such a huge role, but I think we forget that environment includes being in the nature, being, having nature exposure, right? So if you can't even go on a walk in nature, like you said, just sitting in the grass outside for a little bit, or even watching nature documentaries where you get to like really look into those and, you know, obviously not quite the same, but there is some research around even that creates some positive stimuli for you. And we're just so ingrained into looking and wondering about nature and its beauty that as human beings, it's helpful even just to watch a nature show. So I think, you know, there's a lot of ways that if you don't feel like you have access to outside nature, you can still achieve that, right? Well, I, you touched on something too about um, being curious and interested, which is connected to mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can have a nature-based mindful experience by just taking the time to examine a plant or to, and especially with littles, you know, our young children are so interested in what the soil might feel like, or the plant itself might feel like, and you can actually kind of do even a mini nature-based meditation around, you know, touching the leaf and saying like, oh, do you feel the cold on your hand? What do you, is that vine? And, and then like letting them touch the soil or the, the, um, dirt or rocks if you're like super cool and can plant succulents and rocks and you know all of these different um grounding nature-based experiences that would be lovely if you could have them outside and in fresh air but can also be had inside a small apartment inside a classroom inside a family child care um or inside an office i could show you my 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 succulents that are need a little bit of, need a little bit of loving care. Yeah, I think, you know, time in nature, viewing nature scenes, it, it really does increase, you know, so much in a child's life around positivity. And, you know, as adults that then, you know, we need to be modeling that, but we also need to be aware when we're helping children through processing trauma, there's a variety of ways to use that. And then also through child development, right? So, you know, there's been research around children who have tendencies toward ADHD, helping kind of create kind of an ability for them to get recentered, which is around that mindfulness we've talked about. But they also, you know, talk about in some of this research that we really do need to make sure that all children have access to some sort of nature and, you know, having some of that in your classroom, um, in your apartment, like you said, in your house, you know, growing a small little garden in your house, in your apartment, isn't out of the realm of possibility. If it's one cherry tomato plant, or if it's one, you know, just making sure that you have that 
available so they can see and watch the plant grow and sprout. And it's kind of fun to like start it from a seedling and then watch, you know, we used to do sunflowers, right? Sunflowers are probably the easiest and most hardy. Yeah, right. So, you know, I love that. And children love to watch it grow. And then they're so proud of the fact that they grew this sunflower that, you know, is they're watching it as it gets bigger and bigger and watering it and doing what they need to do with it to create this plant that then flowers later, right? It may never produce the seeds like you want it to, but it's definitely this beautiful flower that they get to witness and watch grow. Right. And I think that is interesting because that helps us as adults then be okay about the process is the power, right? The outcome is not the power. And sometimes with nature, that is another a side benefit of it is that you, you don't get to control it and that you get to own this idea that it's about the process of experiencing the sunflower, not the outcome of the, you know, perfect seeds. Right. And I think it's just interesting how it became a part of that stress wheel, the stress buster wheel, right? And how important, obviously, it is when we're talking about well-being and children. You know, we've touched on child development. We've talked about that in the past around nature and going for walks and physical activity. But you've also talked about like your leaf rubs and the things that you've done with your girls. Yeah. And I think that all of those play a part in in helping reduce anxiety and stress and build resilience, right? There's ways for you to express yourself that then decrease your levels of stress and you can use nature to, to accomplish those things. Like whether it be sitting and being mindful of your environment and just sitting and being with it or exploring it in a more mindful way and looking at the different plants in your environment or the bugs in the grass or the feel of the soil or the different shapes of the rocks, you can also really experience it indoors by growing or doing leaf rubs or painting a a nature picture or watching a nature documentary. So I think there's a variety of ways to help children have access to nature even when they're not able to go out and play in the park all the time. And to be mindful of nature as a tool for um, shifting how our brains are showing up and interacting in the world. So in an immediate way and in a long-term way, um, but in the immediate, which is sometimes, you know, we are in those fires where things are just chaos and you're as a parent, not comfortable with how, um, <laughs> how your three and seven-year-olds are interacting with each other and you feel the negative energy coming off of you. I'm not going to say who might feel this in their life, but maybe a parent, um, namely me, then uh, you can remember to take the breath and say, you know, let's just go outside for a minute. And even if that means outside in the rain, which today it is raining, it's a lovely rainy summer day, um, that will can really be enough of a shift in your brain focus and sometimes provide a different level of sensory input that that intensity of emotion that you might feel, whether it's frustration or just too much noise or too much chaos, it shifts and changes. And if it changes in you, it changes for your child too, because then how you're showing up for your child changes. So I use that as a strategy quite often. If there is something where I'm just not showing up how I want to, and it could be for a myriad of very valid reasons, I say, let's go outside for whatever it is, to read a book, to go for a walk, to clean my car. (laughs) Right, yeah, whatever it is, we just need to, you know, get out there. And I think that's an important concept that you just mentioned. And I'm glad you did, because I think what we forget is that our moods and tendencies 
can shape how the children are reacting in their environment, but it can be vice versa too, right? Like, so we need to be as the adult in the space aware that their negativity is also going to affect ours. And it's our due responsibility to teach them and help them learn better ways to cope with the things that are happening for them than fighting with one another. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't disagree, but how we disagree is important. And sometimes when children are younger and they're still learning all their feelings and how to deal with that, they may disagree not in the best way, right? And it's not in that productive fashion. And sometimes it's just because they're cranky, um, because they're hangry or they're tired or whatever the case might be, right? right. So you as the adult taking them out and spending that quality time with them outside in nature is actually beneficial for both you and for the children. So whether you're, whatever your role is in a child's life as the adult, you are going to benefit by being out in nature as well. So I think that that was a great point that you made around like, we just go outside. <laughs> it's time to go outside, get some fresh air, right? We say that. And the same is true for when you're a teacher in a classroom, you know, whether it's a TK classroom or kindergarten classroom or preschool classroom, we have our recess time and our outside play time and our, but there are times when you realize that you are trying to get the children to intently focus on something that might not be their choice, giving them the opportunity to go outside first will tenfold return to you and their ability to focus on whatever that, you know, non-voluntary attention is you're trying to get them to have. And I think that's another really great strategy for recognizing that nature can shift and elevate our brains and enable us to kind of just filter out all those other, uh, those other hormones and be able to show up for learning. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, you know, here we have in Shasta County, an outdoor kind of classroom thing for kids to go to at the library that uh, first five Shasta made sure to help, um, so that it could get built, but there's also wonderful walking trails and parks and you do see them regularly being used. And so, you know, I think it's important to remember that we have resources around us. I know we've talked about those before, but I think you also have some in Tehama County, but all of our region has a wonder plethora, a wonderful plethora of outdoor activities. That's really true. And we do have some lovely walking trails here um, as well. And we don't have an outdoor library, but we do have an outdoor story walk. And that in itself mm -hmm. lends to a different kind of interaction with the story. Um, I also find from a family perspective, probably because I am inclined to be outdoors, I feel more connected to my family unit when we are doing activities outdoors. So that benefits me personally and then therefore my family. And so finding you know, going to the story walk or finding um, a park to go have a picnic in and play in or to toss a ball in is something that really fills my cup and makes me feel elevated on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, the, that you, now that you mentioned that, there is, you know, um, the Center for Nature and Health, I don't know if you've heard of that particular um, faction, but it's at UCSF through the Children's Benioff Hospital in Oakland. Interesting. And yeah. And, you know, that particular, we've had guests from there um, on and they've talked about infant mental health and, you know, so they do a lot of research around what is beneficial to children and um, their families. And, you know, they really did talk about the fact that when you had families who were 
di diagnosed with some things that could allow them to go and be in their prescription was to be outdoors, basically, um, they could see a substantial reduction in parents' stress and their then reactions to how that stress was being handled by their bodies. So every single park visit helped these families as a holistic measure for both the parents and the children. And, you know, you mentioned that it, you know, you feel best and most connected to your children when you're doing something or your family as a whole, when you're doing something outdoors. And I think that that some of the research indicates that's true for lots of people. And, you know, when you see that there's true scientific evidence that this is important, you just want to make a calling to allowing people to do this and to be more connected to their nature environment and then to find ways for those who live in, you know, city areas that don't necessarily have as much access to greenery um, for them to find that, right? And so I, I'm excited too that most of the areas in our bigger cities like Reading and Anderson are now having and making sure that there are little small parks built into their housing developments just yeah. to make sure that there is accessibility for kids to go and be at a park where there's grass and sand and things to play with, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And we actually have a couple apartment complexes here in both Corning and Red Bluff that have a center, either a shared garden um, that was put in long ago by community action agency or a shared grass area. And those are so critical to be able to give easy access, right? Because it's lovely, you know, all families can find a trail to walk on out their door or, you know, those types of things when there's ample time on a day in which the adults don't have to show up to work, right? But we need access to nature all the time. And so that means that at an apartment complex or outside your neighborhood or within your neighborhood, we need to be able to access it that's easy and feasible and doesn't take so much extra effort. Right, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the what you can do around some of the pieces and making sure that you incorporate nature into your lives. You know, we've been doing that for each of the stress busters. And, yeah, you know, kind of just, yeah, just kind of finding ways to set some goals around that. So what would be your first recommendation, Heidi? So I love the adult care self toolkit that is on ACEs Aware and is also on, um, I think it's connected to your website as well as ours. It yeah. helps you think through these stress busters. And for me, all of the stress busters also connect to nature. So for example, if I'm looking at setting a goal around physical activity, I would think about, well, how can I incorporate nature into that goal? Um, and I think if I recall correctly, what I've been trying to do with my physical activity goal is to um, get outside for 30 minutes on a walk or a hike. And so that by, you know, just by nature includes nature, if you will. Um, right. <laughs> then for my mindfulness goal, I think that I said, I, <laughs> you can see I'm not being super successful at my mindfulness goal. I'm not as hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure I said I was going to still try and meditate for five minutes a day. Right. So I guess, you know, just whatever you're going to do with your goal and the toolkit, adding a way to include nature into that would be my, um, my suggestion. What about you? Yeah, I love that. I really think that taking nature walks are important. And even if you live in the city where there isn't a park, you know, my um, city area is not, you know, necessarily what you would consider 
outdoorsy, right? Like I don't live on a farm. I don't live out in the mountains right now. I live in the city. And so I can still take a nature walk. I can still go outside, find birds, find trees, find plants, and even point out plants that are on, you know, in neighbors on their porches and talk about the different colors of the plants and still if I'm by myself, think about how did that grow? What did that look like? What does that mean? Smelling flowers as I'm walking past them, enjoying what's out in the outdoors um, in opposed to what's always inside, right? And then the other thing that I probably will likely do is continue to watch some of the things. I love National Geographic. I love to watch things on nature, especially animal nature and learning about animals' habitats and their specific behaviors in the wild and why, you know, we may have domesticated some or not and all of those pieces and parts. I love that. And so, you know, just watching some of those helps me feel closer to nature and learn more about nature. So I'll probably continue to do that. I am doing my meditation most every night um, before bed. And so that's been helping. That's wonderful. (laughs) I know I'm excited. It's been helping me sleep better and um, have more, um, you know, in-depth sleep too. So that's been nice. Yes. Yeah. You know, as you were sharing um, about noticing plants and think about where they came from and how they grew, my mind was flooded with this memory of a podcast I listened to on the science of happiness. And it was a chef um, sharing his experience. And he uh, began being a chef in a different country. And then he um, immigrated to the United States, I think to New York and was a chef there. And he was telling the story of the first time that he saw a root plant growing in New York, that was something that he had used in his cooking in his original chef years in um, a different country and how it was like, just brought him so much joy and grounded him in this idea that this must be home too, if this same root plant grows here. And I can so, right. Um, I, where I grew up, where my parents live, there's a little pond behind their house and there are these vibrant blackberry bushes. And every July, every other day, we'd be going to look at these blackberry bushes to know, are they perfect for, you know, are they too unripe? Are they ripe enough? And so many lovely childhood memories of getting scratched up to all get out, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And I was always the kid that was going to dive to the middle. I wasn't going to let that one blackberry go without being picked. Um, and just great childhood adventure, independent, and also then using these blackberries to create something so delicious, right? We used them to create smoothies and pies. And then in young adulthood, I started taking a trip on an annual basis to Brookings. And I remember the day that I found the blackberry bush in Brookings that we now return to every single time we go there and how it made me feel connected and excited. And, you know, at part of that, my house in um, when I was getting going to grad school, there was blackberry bush around the corner from that. And then now there's blackberry bushes on the block that we live on. And so just this theme of being connected to where you are through nature and noticing that plant is, is brought me a ton of joy and grounding and home feeling. And I just am curious about how that would be if we helped children notice that more. Anyway, right. let me tell my story. <laughs> no, I love it. I, you know, I remember after you saying that it spurred on some memories of me climbing the cherry tree to pick the cherries and to also put like pans and other things that clinked and clinked and fake snakes up in the tree to scare the birds away. So they oh, didn't no. eat my trees, right? So <laughs> 
It reminds me of that. And then making cherry pies and cherry jam and those pieces of my childhood that brings joy to thinking about the nature that we had. And, and I also remember, and I think this actually is exciting to also think about as far as helping families find some other activity that could draw their children to nature and actually you know, draw somewhat of a nexus for them was we have wonderful farmers markets around here, right? And even in the city, and I remember my aunt, when I went and visited her in Bakersfield, taking me to one of the locations that we could pick the corn off the stalks, right? And we could also go and pick, you know, different other vegetables that were growing at the time. And it was as if they, it was our own garden. And so many communities have city gardens that welcome people to come and help tend to them so that you're closer to nature as well as pick the, you know, bears of your labor, right? So pick those fruits and vegetables that are growing. And we actually have some here in Shasta County. Um, and yeah. On the North State Parent website of you pick gardens potentially. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great resource for them to look at to see what they have. And then we have some pretty, if you have the means, some, you know, not too far away, but Manton has a wonderful apple picking you know, um, festival. Um, we have the strawberry festival that happens every year up here in the Intermountain. So I think that there's some things that you can do as a family, even if you yourself don't live in, on a lot that allows you to grow a lot of things or to be as one with nature as you would hope. But you could go to places that do provide you the opportunity. And even if you can't go pick the strawberries or pick the apples, you can go or pick your own uh, pumpkin during, you know, pumpkin season. You can go to the farmer's market and talk about all of the wonderful vegetables that are there because now you're going to incorporate nutrition too, right? And so that's another one of those pieces of stress busters that we've talked about and want to make sure people understand as important to helping your overall body's health and well-being. Yes. And that that full circle connection of nutrition for for nourishment and connection to nature can really shift your thinking around um, from a deficit mindset to how can we include this in our children's lives and Sometimes it's easier to think about including the excitement of picking berries and cherries than it is to think about really teaching about the science behind the nutrients, right? And so you want to be able to do it in a way that makes sense for you and that connects to your heart. Um, and also, like we've talked about before, if you're a business owner that isn't in direct contact with children and families, these are concepts that you can support for your staff that then will influence their children and families, right? And so these ideas of maybe sharing information about the Strawberry Festival and the Manton Festival and having you know, nature um, experiences in your office via maybe a bowl of apples or succulents. These are all things that actually make a difference and actually can shift and, and start to trickle down into how our children and families are experiencing stress. Uh, yes, I agree. I think it's so important. And I think, you know, I'm appreciative of my staff at First Five Shasta because we have plants and we all check in with each other and make sure that when we were on lockdown that somebody had gone in at least to water the plants to make sure that or we took them home so that they wouldn't um, perish um, without sunlight and watering on a regular. I love it. It's team effort. team effort. Right. Team effort for sure. But it's a family is a team effort too sometimes when you're talking about nature. So, you know, I think one of the points that you made, I think that's super important is is finding what works for you as a parent, as a care provider, as a 
an adult in a child's life as a, someone who cares about their own well-being, right? Your own well-being is just as important, right? And you have to model that for the youth of our community, not just if you're in contact regularly with children. And you don't, you know, I was watching, uh, don't judge, but I was watching a TikTok and this lady said, you know, you don't have to like kids. You don't have to like my kid, but understanding that they are the future for tomorrow you know, basically I'm surmising, but she, you know, basically her message was like, be kind because sometimes what is happening for them, you don't understand what's happening for the parent. You don't understand. But for, for this message, like, I want to just say they are what will be for tomorrow. And if we don't help them learn for today, they won't be here when we need them tomorrow, you know, when they're older. And so you know, we need to help make sure, and we preach this a lot and, you know, and, uh, but we say, you know, we need to make sure that they're, we're developing their brains the best we can in that zero to five span for sure. But throughout their lives and including your own, you have to build that well-being. look at how, what stressors you have, how does, you know, your overall well-being be, is that, how is that affected by your stress and then find ways that within the stress buster, you can help yourself. So you're modeling for those youth of the future, right? And then helping them find ways to cope and learn and be uh, more productive for themselves as well. Then that creates a healthy, functional, productive community. When we don't have healthy, functional communities, we have a lot more crime. We have a lot more homelessness. We have a lot more other things happening that we want to blame others for, right? But we also have a due, in my opinion, responsibility to help make sure that we're not creating the problem, that we're actually doing something to help promote health and functionality. Yes. Oh, and nature can do so much. It can be that stemming place. I know. I love it. And I think we live, thankfully for us, in this northern region with many of our friends, families, and colleagues, in a wonderful area where we have the ability to get to the mountains pretty fast and easily. We have lakes and streams and rivers and parks and ranches and um, farms. And then we also have the ocean that's not super far away from us either. So we have our friends who live you know, in the ocean area where we can talk about the sea and the sand and how that all relates. So I think you know, we are pretty advantaged. And when we think about making sure that happens for the kids who are living in the city areas, that don't have that, how do we help make sure that that is something that they get access to, you know, and there, and, and I think we've provided a few of those ideas and hopefully people can take away from those and find some enjoyment in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, like I just a shout out here locally, we have a couple groups, one of them Kiwanis that does a really good, great job at some of our older kiddos getting to go to that may not have had those experiences before getting to spend time and and nature and we just wrapped up that week i've been so enjoying watching social media and the lovely photos of all the children having crazy experiences including you know nature cheeto faces and other things so i love it i love it and i think that the <laughs> camp you know the camps like we have camp hope and we have other camps that kids can get scholarships for if your family doesn't have the means to pay for the whole entire time or any of the time up at a camp um, look at how you do scholarships when my children were a part of girl scouts there were also scholarships and i'm and I know there are, uh, this is also true for Boy Scouts, um, to get to go to camp that, and those provide them with such an opportunity to learn about nature, to learn about themselves in nature, and to learn 
all the different kinds of activities you can enjoy in nature because they provide a different experiences so that kids have a little taste of di something different and they might find something they love and, it, and they become an avid hiker or an avid, you know, mountain bike rider or an avid canoeer or kayaker or whatever the case might be, right? Like, or a swimmer, maybe, who knows? Like there's just so much, or they just might like to go camping in the future and sing, you know, campfire songs around the campfire and, you know, cook s'mores, but make sure there's a, there's a burn permit right now. I'm just, you know, <laughs> absolutely. It's not fun. Yes. <laughs> okay let's do a nature goal let's do all right what are you thinking you have one um i'm thinking that i plan to make sure that i have at least three times a week a walk or a sit thoughtful meditative experience outside outdoors with through nature and, um, you know, I do get a lot of experience doing that. So I don't know if that's cheating, but I cheating. plan on doing that. <laughs> you know, we just bought a picnic table for our office so that I could sit outside on the computer because I have such a time to be out. Yeah, perfect um, way though for you and your, you know, others in your office to be able to sit outside, do the, you know, things out in nature, right? Yeah, it changes for me. Um, so I think I'm going to say, I'm going to write a goal though, through the lens of being a mom. Um, we do a lot of sensory play at home, shaving cream, that type of thing. Um, I am going to make the goal of making once a week, the sensory play more nature-based. So whether that's mud or sand or um, a big pile of leaves, you know, we're turning the corner on a season. Um, so it might be that. So just kind of being mindful of including nature in the sensory play as the, as the center of it. I love it. I love it. You know, that made me think actually when you were saying that at the Turtle Bay Museum where they have like also this water sensory kind of thing where, you know, you're learning about erosion and you're learning about how water flows, but you're also learning about like how it feels when it's flowing. Cause you, you know, you, it's, yeah. And so you're learning when it fast, flows fast, it feels like this, when it flows slow, it can feel like this. If it's, you know, so I love that. I think that's a great idea to incorporate those different textures in nature into your sensory play. I think that's a great idea. I love it. Thank you for this conversation. It was yes. so inspirational. We hope you guys get out in nature and, and think about just the simple, easy access ways and just also giving yourself the grace of letting your brain be with nature and shift in those cortisol levels. Yeah, remember, model youth to the youth. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to our websites, www.firstfiveshasta.org or www.firstfivetehema.org for any additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either of us, Wendy at W-D-I-C-K-E-N-S at F-I-R-S-T 5-S-H-A-S-T-A dot org or Heidi at H-M-E-N-D-E-N-H-A-L-L at F-I-R-S-T 5-T-E-H-A-M-A dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you'll join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person?